Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Mandy Walls. Find me at LNXCHK on Twitter. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Pages to the Limit. This week, I have with me Ivan Merrill. Ivan, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you for having me. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about what you do, where, where you've been. So, hi, I'm Ivan Merrill. I am currently uh, Head of Solutions Engineering at a small little company called Fiberplane. We're making collaborative tools for, for SREs and things, but I've got a big history in observability and monitoring. Um, so, I previously ran the um, UK monitoring team at uh, Capital One, Capital One UK. I spent a few years there and then previously spent 10 years mostly in uh, APM kind of things. So kind of, you know, previous kind of iterations of monitoring and stuff like that. Um, HSBC, kind of the technical lead for some of their APM rollout. So um, a long history in monitoring and kind of through to observability and everything else like that. And a lot in financial services, actually, as well. It's its own kind of beast, really. It definitely is. We'll have to circle back to that a little bit. So you're going to tell us a bit today about best practices and encouraging that across organizations. Why are best practices important? Why are, Why do you feel they're important? Yeah, that's a good place to start. So one of the things that we're all kind of, kind of not necessarily waking up to, but really aware of at the moment is that observability, monitoring, they're, they're super important, right? They are a big driver of reliability, which, you know, as we all know, is, you know, product's number one feature. So we all want it, right? And there's a lot of pressure on teams and people to deliver things, to deliver new features. You know, there's many types of, of development that exist, but most often we, we find ourselves using kind of date-driven development, right? Where something has to be out the door by a certain time. And as a result, that means that with all these pressures, they're Things are easily get dropped. They don't happen when you want, you know, you want them to, but they just, you know, they're not going to happen within time. So one of the things that we kind of frequently see is that monitoring and observability and, you know, building services that are observable is, is very easily kind of lost in the wayside at times, yeah. particularly for the, for the first release and everything. And that's a problem, right? We want our reliability, but we're kind of almost willfully kind of saying, but actually, well, that's not an MVP. We'll, we'll put that in later, right? And that's a factor of life. And there's ways, I, th- I think, and I feel that what you can do to help people and teams bring that back in and make it more important and just kind of encourage people and ease people into the way of actually building it into their processes, into their delivery model, into their way of working. And if you can do that, if you can help people kind of rely on these these best practices, you can give them a little kind of leg up on their way to get to there, then then actually they're more likely to do it. And once they kind of do it, it's a bit of a kind of snowball effect, right? They see the, the benefits and everything else like that. So having these best practices, having some kind of guidance for people so that they know what they're doing is great because there's often quite a lot of obstacles to these things and one of them is of the obvious kind of technical thing of you mm-hmm. know we might need to deploy an agent or we instrument our application stuff but the other thing is the human side of it and I think that's an incredibly important thing and there's you know knowledge of how to instrument their services but then also how to use the data that they they get out of it right what should they be doing and, and how do they do that and that can be not necessarily scary for people, but it's mm-hmm. it's an obstacle, right? It's yes. an obstacle to overcome. And we want to try and remove that and make it as easy for people to get involved in these things. And that's a way that we can kind of encourage them to do 
what we know to be the right thing or the good thing, but maybe, maybe ne isn't necessarily always happening. Yeah. So as you're encouraging folks, is it a carrot and stick process? Or do you feel like once folks kind of see it succeed, they're more likely to be on board with it? And like, yeah. as you mentioned, like snowball effect, like we see that with other practices, like, hey, you know, team B over there is doing really well and they're doing this thing. I want to do that thing too. Yeah, that's a really good question. My personal preference is always going to be the carrot, right? Uh -huh. I once had a, a really great conversation with a developer many years ago and he said, Ivan, all you, all you do is you come to us and you help us. You tell us you're going to help us know when when our stuff is broken or it's not working. He said, "Our stuff works. Our stuff works all the time. Why? Why are you telling us this? Why don't you tell us you're going to help us understand that it works? You know, 99.99% of the time, as of our SLO, that's what we want to hear. That's what we want to know. That's a, that's a really good point, actually. So I think it's kind of one of those things where. You know, when you are having these conversations with, you know, the engineers, when you're having conversations, particularly with the, the product owners, when, you know, kind of about the prioritization of this work, it's kind of like, I want to show what a great job you're doing, yeah. right? I want to give you the backing, the evidence, the proof of, of, you know, what you've done is great, right? And it works and it's reliable and it's fast. You know, coming back to the human side of it, I think that's a much more pleasant conversation to have with people, right? Because saying to people, you need this because when your stuff breaks, you know, we need to be told. It's like, okay, I'm sorry, you know, it's a very, you know, you know, it's kind of a letter of the law kind of thing. And, you know, thou shall make your service observable. That's not really, whilst, you know, it might be true, it's just not a very nice way to approach things. So yeah, absolutely. definitely go with the curve. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up like the, the product folks too, because like, how does that conversation go? Like, I feel like it's evolved a bit in the last five to 10 years. Like, as we're seeing, like, yes, reliability means more, customers and happier users and, and all of these things. But like, I remember the dark days before when, you know, fighting for good operational features mm. was a lot more drama, I guess yep. you could say, than it is now. How have you seen things evolve as far as like the product owners and prioritization of, of sort of non-feature components like of a service and how that relates into reliability? I don't think it's ever going to be a, a perfect conversation. I mean, maybe it is somewhere, but I've not kind of reached that kind of nirvana um, myself. But I think, it, again, it's it's about, you know, I said the, the human aspect of things. Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, I think that no one is there to say, yes, that's a good idea, but we absolutely don't want it, right? right? No one's there saying, no, we want we want a really unreliable product or we don't <laughs> care about reliability, right? It's a good practice, you know, we're, we're you know, we're wanting to make you know observable services because mm -hmm. it, it's the right thing to do. So I think that one of the first things to do is assume best intentions might be a, a good kind of, you know, kind of mantra to go by there. But I think fundamentally, as I said, it's it's about, hey, I want to help you. And this is something that is in your best interests. Hopefully you can explain to someone what you want to do and why it's important and how actually you know, if they are going to release that new feature, they want to know it works, they want to know it's, you know, secure, it's reliable, you know, all these things. And in order to do that, they need to have the data and mm -hmm. actually they want the data, right? And it's kind of like, hey, I'm your your ally in showing you all the great stuff that you can do and that you have done. That's obviously a thing, but sometimes it isn't always that easy. And there are times when you do, I don't know, it's a uh, might sound a bit extreme, but kind of almost shove value in, in front of people's face, right? Just kind of like, hey, this is the stuff that we're doing with another another team. Look at, mm -hmm. you know, at how they've got this really nice conversation between, 
yourselves in product and the engineers because they've got their service level objectives. They've got the, the data to back it up. They can say that they can push that release in really rapidly, you know, despite the risk because they're, you know, smashing it on their, their error budget, yeah. right? You know, right. that's a, that's a thing. So hopefully it's a really nice one and they're all definitely signed up for it, but that's not always the case. And sometimes yeah. as I say, you do have to be a little bit, you know, still trying to be carrot, right? Still trying to say, hey, look at these great things. You know, here's what you could have won. But at the same time, you know, yeah, just trying to get it out to them and trying to show them there is a way that's, that's helpful to them. Yeah, yeah. The prize is behind door number two. So you <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Has the conversation changed or, or gotten easier as like the tooling in this space has changed? Like it's kind of the, the hot sort of developer tools right now mm-hmm. to have more robust observability, to have more of those features into your, even your legacy monitoring platforms as they release new components into those. Like, does that make all of this easier for for teams or or maybe not? <laughs> That's a very good question. People are always attracted to kind of, you know- We the love the shiny thing. things. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And, you know, observability is, as you we're saying, it's, it's, it's a very hot topic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's great to see that, you know, things like, you know, SRECon and on all these things are really kind of bringing observability to the forefront. And in these conferences, a lot of them have, you know, their own, their own tracks and, and things like that, you know, and that's, that's amazing. And people do kind of go, Oh, that's shiny. And look at what they're doing. I, I want some of that. And that's, that's great. And the tools are trying their best to kind of keep progressing, keep doing great things and everything else. But for me, I mean, fundamentally, again, it's a human thing right? Mm-hmm. I always find if you really want to, you know, get some budget for a new monitoring tool or anything, you approach the people with the money straight after a big incident, right? It's a, it's a much easier, <laughs> okay. much easier, you know, sell then because people kind of are seeing, okay, that was bad. We don't want that. Essentially, we can spend, you know, this amount of money to get this tooling, which will hopefully yeah. help us. Okay. That's a, it's a much easier business case, right? When you're saying, well, actually we could have known about this if we had these tooling, but I think as well as that, there is also the fact that tooling isn't everything, right? And and we just need to be kind of careful that, you know, I always um, kind of say that you can have the best implementation in the world, you know, the most perfectly instrumented services. But if you don't have the people engaged, if they don't really know what they're doing with it or anything else like that, then essentially you've spent, you know, spent a lot of money and gained no benefit. Whereas it's you know, entirely possible on the flip side to have, you know, a really basic rudimentary tool and some really, you know, basic things. But as long as you have the people that know how to use them, you have the good processes and everything else like that, you're going to be in a better place than the person that has the best tool. And that's, you know, just a thing because, yeah, I said it's it's a very human thing. Awesome. So in your role, what kind of things are you doing with teams when when you're working on, say, encouraging best practices? Like what what does that look like on on the practical side? Yeah. That's a, a good question. And I think it's kind of one of down to, down to one of those things where you kind of say it depends, right? Uh-huh. And that's a, you know, a bit of a cop out. But <laughs> the reason is, is because, you know, there is no two services that are the same and it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be different for everyone. But I think there are a few fundamental things that you can do. So one of the things that, you know, I've recently written a blog about is things like hypothesis driven investigation and actually being able to kind of say, this is how you can do it. And then certainly with with Fiberplane, what we do is we provide templates to allow people to lead them through that process, right? To kind of help them say, okay, right. I know now that if I do this and the next step is this and the next step is this, just to kind of 
help people and guide people through that process and give them an element of safety, right, in their decision making and everything else. So there is an element of consistency Mm -hmm. across it all, right? And that's in its kind of broadest sense, because I'm not a believer in, you know, everyone must do this thing exactly the same every single time, because that's probably not going to work, right? And then, you know, the one time that it doesn't will be the biggest incident. And, you know, that's the way the world works, right? But it's a case of, as I said, just encouraging good practices that things that you know work, so vaguely standardized kind of investigation process, making sure that you are getting, you know, at a very basic level, training for people, right? You know, kind of good training, good documentation, you know, like in my, I j- joked with my, my my team in my previous role that we, we were going to have documentation week, where we were just going to spend a week, right, writing documentation on everything that we did. And that they weren't too enthusiastic. I'm not. I'm not gonna... Of all the investments you could make in most environments, like a documentation week would be amazing for so many. People. It, it, yeah, I, I think. It, it, yeah, absolutely. It would be. <laughs> it wouldn't be the most exciting week. And I no. think they were, they were slightly miffed in that I'm probably the worst person at getting around to writing documentation <laughs> myself. So that was a, a little bit hypocritical. Right. But the point was, right, we, we wanted to enable people to be self-serve as well right mm-hmm. that's a really big thing we want to lower the barrier of entry for for observability and monitoring we want to make sure that you know both the, the technical implementation can we automate it what can we do to make it easier for people to get on board so that when we're going to the product manager or product owner or, or the engineering team it's like you know it's only this teeny amount of effort you know yes. half a sprint's worth of thing to get a fully instrumented process that goes you know through everything so We're lowering the barrier of entry. We're making it easier technically, but then we're also making it easier, you know, as I say, knowledge-wise, there is Mm -hmm. an obstacle there. So what can we do to make, you know, we used to run in my old team, every tool, we had a a 101 session. We ran them on, you know, monthly, monthly 101 sessions. And we encouraged all new engineers, you know, we put it out on our Slack channel. Hey, everyone, we're running, you know, the basic intro to this particular tool. So that, you know, sign up, come join our, our call and we'll do an hour or two hour session and we'll give you an intro to the basics of this tool and what it does and what it can do and everything else like that. And that is something that is great because not only do people then start to understand, okay, you know, not only do I know how to log on to this tool, but I know what to do with it. But then there's a certain amount of enthusiasm about it, yes. right? That it encourages people can go, oh, it's really cool, you can do this and, and that tool. And oh, if I click this button, then, oh, look at my, you know, fancy graph. Or, do you know what I mean? Like those things, are, that helps. And it's, it's, again, it's, maybe it's a, you know, you might be bored of me, me saying this by the end, but again, it's a very human thing, right? Yeah. So we've just got to make sure that we are encouraging people. We're, we're removing the obstacles, but we're just trying to make it more accessible, easy for people to do. Yes. You know, and just, again, coming back to the documentation, more self-serve. I want people to be able to say, Hey, I've got this problem. It's challenged my team. We should be able to get people more self-serve. For you know, if mm-hmm. they post a question in our Slack channel, hey, here's our documentation. Here, we've got this question. Hey, here's our documentation. Here's the page that shows it. Right. So you know, trying to be helpful to people, obviously, but also trying to encourage that practice of, you know, what we've done our due diligence essentially to yeah. to make it you know as easy as possible for you. So here you go. We are not a blocker for you. There is no obstacle. Right go forth and, you know, make your service observable. Absolutely. Like you don't want to be the bottleneck to everyone else's feature shipping or success or holding anyone back because they're waiting to get a time on your calendar 
yeah. uh, to get the the help that they want. Like we um, we had a, a past episode with Rich Lafferty, who's the principal SRE here at at PagerDuty, talking about similar things that we do here with the different components of the infrastructure and mm-hmm. putting together sort of the golden path or the paved road for yeah. the the various pieces that that the the service teams then need to put all their stuff together so that you want to accelerate people. You want them to be able to get their stuff out yeah. and in front of users and creating value and bringing that delightful product experience out as fast as possible. It's great to apply that then to observability, which I feel like, yeah, like you say, like for some folks, it still, still feels a little bit like magic and, you know, maybe a little bit more convoluted or a little bit more I don't know what to get complex than some yeah. of the other things that just say like oh here build these AMIs and then be fine. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the golden path is is exactly. I mean, you know, kind of I, I wrote some notes for for this for this. You know, I've got I've got golden path mentioned several Excellent. times. Right? We're all on the same page with the vocab at least. You don't want to prescribe to people again. You know, thou shall do this. Yes. You want to say, hey, here is you know maybe the path of least resistance, the golden path, the, mm-hmm. the way that if you follow this thing, you know loosely follow it it's not an exact thing yep. but it will give you a good outcome right yes. and you might want to choose to change it edit it make it work a little bit from for you hey that's cool go wild right but here is a simple way that we as a team have taken on our responsibility to make as easy as possible for you right when i'm you know running a monitoring t- and observability team i always said there's two parts to our job right there is the technical implementation Mm-hmm. that's kind of the easy bit right i mean you know we'll install some stuff we'll run some stuff we'll build some things and it'll work great but we need people to use it so there is almost this sales job right and then the post sales job once they're sold on it to say you know we want you to use it so how can we make it easier for you how can we make it better for you how can we make that golden path that means that you are you know you, you can resolve incidents quickly, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. fundamentally, we all do this for a reason. We don't, you know, most of us anyway, don't just do it for fun, maybe a little bit, but, you know. Maybe a little, uh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's a reason that, you know, companies are investing in observability tooling. People are, you know, excited about the subject. We want reliability. That is our, our end goal, right? So what can we do as a team to make it easier for everyone else so that they can reach that themselves with, firstly, as little effort as for us, because, that's not a model that scales. I can't have one engineer for every team that we work with, yeah. right? But also kind of to empower those people to be then, you know, thinking, okay, well, we've got this and that's really good. But actually we had that incident. So we've been thinking about, you know, well, we've got this new feature. What can we do to, to make it interesting? What data, what information is valuable to us? And once you've kind of got people, you know, thinking about that throughout the the kind of the creation phase, right? When they're, they're building things, then you're most of the way there because people are thinking about, you know, observability as they're building things. And that's, that's a, a big win. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you can think about them once they have the tooling and are familiar with what it's going to be doing for them, they can make better decisions, better architectural decisions about here's our dependency map. Here's what it looks like here. Here's how yep. we can do more defensive coding based on what we saw in this problem we had before with this thing or, you know, better defaults for, simple things like timeouts or whatever when they're making a request just to play into having all this tooling it's going to give them more telemetry around their systems it sounds sounds fantastic right yeah it does sound fantastic you know we've you know that's that's ability there we go we've we've, we've cracked it we right? sold it yeah yep. no, solved it, all the problems yeah it can be as simple as that right so when 
I was, you know, with a team and we saw that, you know, Lambda was clearly going to happen. It was going to be this big technology yeah. serverless in general and everything else like that. We looked at it and we're like, well, we need agents on things. You know, what are we going to do? This is a this is an issue for us in terms of instrumentation. So what we did is we built a, you know, a central solution whereby, you know, okay, here are some libraries that you can add into your code, you know, and what they will do is they will allow you to generate some really nicely structured logs that will send over there. Don't worry about any of the other things, you know, you send it for, here's our really nice documentation, explains everything you need to do. Yeah, you just include this library, add some things in and boom, there are your beautiful logs that are really nicely structured that you can search over, that you can do this, you can do that. And it's amazing how you build these things. You give people these great, you know, things. You do the sales job, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, again, they're not going to just know it's there or anything else like that. Yep. You go out to teams, you say, hey, we really think that this is, a, you know, and if it isn't working for you, why isn't it w- working for you? What can we do to make that better? And then all of a sudden, you know, it was it was a success. We had lots of people. As soon as they build a Lambda function, they're thinking, what can I put in? What, what information would be useful? Hmm, maybe we do want that bit of data. I'll add it in. It's as simple as just, you know, a line of code and I've got all this stuff and great. Yeah, try it out, see what works. If it doesn't, the code, you can always delete it. It's fine. Yeah. So of the things that you've worked on, like what hasn't worked with folks in your experience on things like this? Yeah. Well, I think I've kind of touched on it a couple of times, right? And I think it's it's mandating things. Yeah. It's saying to people, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. You have to have this minimum amount of metrics. You have to have done this thing. If you don't, we will not let you go live or whatever. Because yeah. what that does is it becomes you're making observability and you know building services that are observable and adding, you know, monitoring instrumentation, you're making it an obstacle. You're making it a thing that needs to be overcome on the way that to, for people to get to that, you know, get live and everything else like that. And fundamentally, if you start putting obstacles in front of people, they're not gonna go, oh great, you know, I look something to jump over. Oh thanks. That's yeah. great. Woo, I now need to do this or that or the other, right? This is this is not the, you know, that's very much the 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 stick approach, coming back to the earlier question. And generally I find that you're quite likely to firstly, people aren't happy about that, but then secondly, you're likely to get, you know, disengaged people, demotivated people. Yeah. They're not gonna come back to you and say, Hey, thank you for putting that obstacle in my way. What else have you got? They're gonna, you know, kind of look at it and go, Oh, we have to do this because that you know, they're making us do it or something. Yes. And that's that's a really, really tough thing, right? It's 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 not where you want to be. So if I could say one thing to not do, don't make it an obstacle. Think about nice, happy golden path as opposed to a requirement like that. Absolutely. Awesome. So on the show, we have a recurring question that we ask everyone. Is there a myth that you would like to debunk about either you know establishing best practices for teams or about observability or or any of the other things that we've touched on so far yeah so i think the most pervasive one that i see that i think is the, the maybe the most harmful is kind of touching again on previous subjects is, is that monitoring and observability isn't just something for running things in production it mm. shouldn't be thought about kind of as a last minute thing you know oh we're gonna go live so we need some monitoring quick Whack it in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got two days to get this in before we hit. You know, the, the, you know. Firstly, that's the most expensive way to do it, right? You know, you're you're kind of trying to retrofit something. Mm-hmm. You you have no idea, you know, what information you got got back. You're going back to you know bits of your code that you might not have touched in a while and stuff like that. But secondly, 
by the time your um your service your you know reaches production you want to know what it looks like yeah right you've had lots of opportunity to meet it and talk to it in other environments like what's it telling you before yeah. you even get those customers it's unfortunate i would say to be polite that the amount of times i come across where people have incidents in production and you say okay well what, what happened when you released it in your pre-production environment and then like, i don't know we don't monitor that or you know they they've got their beautiful production monitoring yes. but they've got nothing, nothing. in repo just just you know maybe an agent installed or some keeper live checks you're like oh look you know it broke there too oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> it did four weeks ago yeah right could have saved yourself uh, you know an incident there yeah. never mind um <laughs> It's yeah. So if I would say, you know, one thing not to do is to say that it's something to be tacked on at the end. You want to know what's going on with your your service, what's going on with your new feature before, you know, you release it to people. Definitely. Awesome. Was there anything else you'd like to leave folks with that we haven't touched on? I think that um, it's been a really great conversation. I've I've certainly really enjoyed it. And um, if, you know, you would like to know more for anyone, I do kind of blog reasonably regularly on on our fiberplane blog that you can find at fiberplane.dev or if you're interested in the tool it's you know we're looking at you know really making kind of incident resolution and everything a collaborative experience so you know you can sign up for a, for a trial there so also yeah just come and have a look and see what you think yeah awesome we'll put some links in the show notes for folks who are interested you can check that out we're hoping to you know see here see and hear more from fiberplane as this uh, expands in our, our ecosystem at PageDuty for instant response. So it should be really good. Ivan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been super fun. So who would have thought a best practices discussion would be so much fun? Like, it definitely is. I'm glad you think so. Yeah, thank you very, very much for having me. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah, I, I hope folks uh, have uh, picked up some tips here. And uh, in the meantime... Uh, We'll see you on our next episode and we'll wish you all an uneventful day. That does it for another installment of Pager to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pagertothelimit.com and you can reach us on Twitter at Page It to the Limit using the number two. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, uneventful days are beautiful days. <laughs>